Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Queer Caucus. My name is Cassidy Flynn. And I'm Jill Kamler. And this podcast is produced by Jan O'Leary. On today's episode, we'll be discussing a new show called The Bold Type on Freeform, featuring queer people of color and sex positivity, and also RuPaul's Drag Race, one of the iconic shows in the LGBTQIA canon. We will also discuss Aaron Carter's recent announcement about his bisexuality, Cameron Esposito's new podcast, and a quick feature of our new segment, Assisting Others. I can tell you how the story goes. Hey, Cassidy, what's up? Not a whole lot, pal. How are you? Oh my god, I'm so good. Jill, quick recap. How has your summer been? It's been wonderful. The Missouri Fine Arts Academy was great. We had an awesome group of students this summer. I'm so glad that that has been a part of my life for so long. So after MOFA, I went back to LA, and LA was interesting to revisit after a lot of soul searching that (laughs) commonly happens at MOFA. Um, I have really, really been thinking about my next step in life and what I want and what I don't want. Um, My niece turned one in August, early August. So that was crazy. Like time seems to just be going so much faster these days. Basically, that was my summer. It was very full of like traveling and I'm getting ready to go to Oregon in the middle of August to see the solar eclipse. Yes. And also to tour Oregon. Oregon State University to see if that would be um, a place where I would like to attend for graduate school. So we'll see. So that's kind of my summer. How about yours? I closed The Tempest about a month or so ago, and it was the third show I had done in a row starting in like my, the first show I had done in this iteration of three was back in like March. So Jesus. I'm kind of coming off like a really busy chapter of my life. I'm doing Of Mice and Men in the fall, and I'm also remounting a show that we did last April. Quick shout out, though, to my friend Kristen Ryan, who teaches at the Center of Creative Arts, or more so commonly known as COCA in St. Louis. I was invited to teach a podcasting class to one of her camps, and so got to hype the queer caucus to a bunch of like that tots who just learned how to podcast. Awesome. Yeah, I like brought them my new Rode mic and like showed them how to use it, like how to record audio and Audacity, how to export it and manipulate it and like other softwares. So it was so fun. Also, just getting further and further into the wild blue yonder that we call life, I suppose. Oh my god, for real. Cassidy, do you know I'm turning 25 this year? Jill, shut the fuck up. I I cannot believe that. I had, oh my my God. God. Truth truth though, true story. We were like coming back from like a party or something. I had said something to Robert. I was like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. Being 23 is so funny. Something, something, something. And he's like, you're 24. And I was like, no, I'm not. And like firmly disagreed with him for like a solid 30 seconds. And he was like, you are 24. And I had like a solid, I had like, I had a moment like a moment of silence for myself for having forgotten my age but R.I.P. oh my god r.i.p like remember (laughs) when we were tots like begging to be older undergrad yeah for real so oh my god have you seen the fucking comic like the netflix special that ali wong has on oh my god ali wong baby cobra it's insane but like she's a riot man she is the fucking best but um, the fucking like sequence about like her pussy being drier as an adult <laughs> is the, like 
funniest <laughs> thing I have seen in a long time. Yeah, it's really fucking funny. I'm like, holy shit, I watched that with my mom. Like, <laughs> <gasps> Paula. Yeah, Paula well, actually, Candler. I know. So, like, in this special, if you haven't seen it, like, which you should fucking stop what you're doing and, like, go see it, except for, like, finish our podcast. Yeah, she's pregnant. So she's, like, seven months pregnant. And when we watched it, my sister was pregnant, like, last summer. Oh so, like, god. it was like, really funny to draw those parallels, but it was like, oh my god, I cannot believe that I, like, am sitting here with my mom and my sister <laughs> about, like, sliming people with our pussies. Like. <laughs> god, I wonder how many of our listeners are just listen for the eye roll effect. They just want to listen to us being dumbasses. I think that's probably, like, at least half. oh my god can i make a quick confession please do okay so i saved this can of Lacroix so that i could open it during our episode (laughs) and like celebrate (laughs) with you by drinking a coconut Lacroix. can i yes open it it, pop it mama into our episode (laughs) oh god all right here we go i want to get that audio hot go for it all right here we go Ooh. LaCroix, bitch. That was crisp, Jill. That was so yes. crisp. It definitely oh like God. clipped a little bit, but like whatever. All no right. worries. Have you seen the YouTube video LaCroix Boy? Oh, ha- are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> have I seen LaCroix Boy? Wait, I feel like we've talked about this. Uh, I think we've you probably talked it to about me. this. Like you're the one who was like this, everybody, this oh, is Jill. I did. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know if I've shown you this yet, Cassidy, but like my RA staff fucking made me a LaCroix Boy portrait of myself. Oh. Oh my god. Yeah, like, it's the best thing I've ever been gifted in my life. Yeah, so we did, like, a skit. Like, okay, so I was, like, obviously obsessed with LaCroix during the Academy. Like, I was, like, everywhere I went, I had LaCroix. Obviously, Because, like, when you're fucking deprived of, like, most things, as you are at the Academy, like, you need some, like, I don't know, some sort of sweet release. And, like, for me, it's LaCroix. For sure. Hashtag no shame. So I made my floor watch LaCroix Boy, and I forgot that he was, like, kind of naked in it. Yeah. And I was like, you guys, I'm obsessed with this thing. And they were like, um, I don't know if you know how to internet. And I was like, what the fuck ever? <laughs> because, like, you're not that much younger than me, okay? Yeah, and the, right. the gap gets bigger every year, but, like, yeah, whatever. So yeah. I, like, forced them to watch it. And then, like, ugh, we had this problem with students where they were just, like, being – I mean, this is, like, a, a totally minor problem. But they were being so loud during, like, things as an audience member. They were just, like, squeaking in this – their chairs and like rustling and like uh scratching and like just like their water bottles were like falling all over the place and like making this oh my god they're like like, cats sneeze and they'd be like bless you like across the room (laughs) like 10 people so like we made fun of them in this skit about like hey can you like shut the fuck up we're about to go to like professional audience thing and like you should just that's like harsh of me like if any of my mofa students are listening like it's in total love and jest like (laughs) I was not actually <laughs> mad at you. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like making fun of them about it. And so we did a LaCroix like PowerPoint essentially. And I was like speaking about how much I love LaCroix and LaCroix boy. And like the RAs were planted in the audience to be like disruptive and horrible. Oh my God. And like good. Melissa Hare was like rolling in the back. Like, and I think like the kids didn't really like it because they like knew they were being made fun of. But like just to see oh. Melissa Hare's reaction was worth it. Like, I don't even care. <laughs> Yeah. So, I am so into this. Yeah, so like LaCroix Boy is my shit. I'm parched. <laughs> Open the fridge. You grab a can or two. Come snuggle, babe. And bring that water juice. 
so thirsty. I went on Robert's company float trip recently, and Robert's CEO and like three other people had LaCroix boy hats. It oh was my God. a fucking riot. It was so funny. Um, can I have like a quick like fashion gushing moment? Yes, lay it on me, fashion okay. gushing moment. So I don't know if you know this, but like jean jackets are like so cool. Like okay. <laughs> Right. So like, is Teen Vogue is sponsoring us now or something? Um, I wish. Teen Vogue is the shit. Elaine Welteroth, please sponsor us. I love your work. Yeah, so like jean jackets are like fashion item that you must, that you should have. Like, and in LA, especially because like the weather is kind of weird. Like it gets kind of cold at night and like it's hot during the day. So like a jean jacket is kind of perfect. Whereas in Missouri or like other areas of the country, it's like kind of too hot to wear them most of the time and then like way too cold most of the time. And they're also like bitching. So I have like been obsessed with enamel pens like recently and I just like kept buying enamel pens because I was like I want to put these on a jean jacket but like I don't have a jean jacket so <gasps> I was collecting what? all of these queer feminist enamel pens to be like I will be so cool when I can put these on a jean jacket and I was kind of just waiting for like the right jean jacket to appear that's so real though that's so real yeah. it's like it's like a leather jacket or like yes. a pleather or a fake the leather jacket it has rather. to be right the wash it has to be has right. to be perfect yes yes because, like, what's the point if you, like, don't wear your jean jacket all the time? Like, you're wasting, like, so much potential. So I'm also, like, doing this thing where I'm, like, trying not to buy things that are new because, like, the industry of fashion, it's so problematic and so, so, so wasteful and, like, toxic to the earth and, like, human beings. So I'm trying and, like, consumerism is, like, fucked up and we've like talked about that before so for sure for I'm sure i'm trying to find ways to do that to support things that are like used items or like ethical consumerism if it's possible so i found this thing i don't know if you like probably listen to other podcasts and like they have ads for thread up but it's awesome thread up is essentially like going to plato's closet but doing it online and Ugh, you can return your shit and it's great if, if you don't like it you can return it so i found a jean jacket on thread up and it came in the mail and it is literally fits me like a glove oh my god i love yeah. it so I had like put my enamel pins on it and I had a moment where I looked in the mirror and I was like, this is my true self. Like I feel yes! so good. <laughs> Self-actualized queer. Yeah. And so like the only thing that's missing though is a LaCroix pin. <laughs> Full circle. Oh my god, no, but seriously, like, I'm a bitch who can hype a jean jacket. Like, yeah. it is the quintessential clothing item. If you don't have it, then you're not a person. Right. What do you think about wearing a jean jacket with jeans? Um, They have to be... Different washes? Different washes. Yeah. But, Absolutely like, you can do different. It? Yes. Oh, totally. Okay, totally. Cool. The Canadian tuxedo is like a thing, but you have Canadian to be able to pull tuxedo? it off. That's Excuse what it's me? called. To oh, wear all like... denim. It's called a Canadian tuxedo. You've never heard of this? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. Oh shit, that's awesome. Hashtag never forget Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake at oh, the I Grammys wearing that. the denim dress and denim suit. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Can we get that sound clip and just like replay it during please, the episode? Please. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about
about the bold type on another podcast ad because like that's a thing so if you didn't know this abc family is now called freeform that's like when abc family was like you know doing their thing like producing shows that were like talking about sex and like teenagers and like kind of heavier subjects like they were getting a lot of pushback about being called abc family and like granted this is the same network that runs like the 700 club so like right you know like a lot of their audience was like what the hell man and like you can kind of debate like whether or not that's like you know important or not but the problem i mean the, the, essentially they rebranded they were like well we want to be able to produce the stuff we want but like not get shit from it from like 700 club watchers right. so yeah. um they remain themselves freeform so the bold type is essentially like if sex in the city met girls met the devil wears prada and oh my god awesome the premise is that three young women work in this new york fashion magazine called scarlet and they're best friends so there's like one woman her name is jane she is this new writer she just got hired onto the writing staff from like being an intern so it's like her first day on the job being like i'm a fucking professional writer now but like also she's super like nervous and like just like grappling with like am i good enough like imposter syndrome so the other friend her name is kat um she is a young black woman and she is the social media director and she is like super like fun and like bubbly and like I don't know, just, like, super into, like, feminism and sex positivity, but she meets this, like, I won't tell you everything, but, like, there's, like, some queer subplots going on here. Like, she meets this very openly proud and out, like, Muslim lesbian woman who is a photographer who, like, works a lot with uh, exposing, like, society's ideas of women. Uh, She meets her and, like, you can tell that, like, there's something that she wants about this woman and is like kind of grappling with that this other friend is named Sutton she is like the best assistant in all of like the magazine but she like she has real aspirations to be working in fashion she just like grew up very poor and so like decides to do more practical things instead but is like maybe feeling unfilled by that i don't know i just like i'm obsessed with it like i can't stop watching it i think just like a show about young millennial women and like their goals and their aspirations and their struggles with like romance and job and like balancing friendships and sex and work and money um and feminism and maybe queerness and you know being a a person of color like it's just so much and it's so good and mm. I think everybody should watch it. That's awesome. Yeah. Amen. What have you been watching? How about you? So I know I'm like super late to the game on this one, but I have recently gotten really fucking into RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, so for those of you who don't know, RuPaul's Drag Race just finished season nine. I mean, they've been around for like a minute. It has been one of the most like satisfying things to watch when like we live in a world where we are inundated with like really awful news and really mm-hmm. awful headlines and really frustrating legislation and really frustrating gridlock in general. It's one of those things that like I can watch and really like feel like we're a part of something bigger than just watching a television show. Watching RuPaul's Drag Race has been like one of the antidotes I feel like to living in a world where every day there's something that like strikes to my very core but like I have like little to absolute no power over like the adjustment of i love that i get to watch a show that is like technically reality television in the way that it's like like clearly not scripted in any way necessarily like there's probably some producer input that we don't know about but i love being able to watch a show like that and feel so connected to it on a deep level because like all of the people on the show are either queer gay trans something 
And not only do they get to like have like real fucking moments where like they talk about those things and talk about navigating those things, but they like celebrate and uplift this beautiful craft of drag. And it's, oh my God, it's so fascinating. And it's, it's so, it makes it so impressive. Like it really, it's so inspiring. And it's something that like, like after watching it, it's one of those, one of those things where it's like, God, I like wish I did this or I wish I could do this. Like, because you just admire it so deeply. It's such an incredible show full of heart and it's so rich and like pleasing, but it's also got that kind of like reality TV show comedy and like and lightness that I think makes it so fun and and easy to watch. Um, but it gets to like the real heart of like queer culture and pays so much like homage to like you know the balls in New York City back in the seventies and eighties and right. like it's 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 got so much reverence for queer culture while also being so fun and accessible. So anyway, highly recommend if you have not watched or are interested in watching. Highly recommend RuPaul's Drag Race. Awesome. I don't know if you all have seen the headlines, but Aaron Carter, famous musician, has come out recently as bisexual. Yeah. And Jill and I were chatting about it, and we think this is an awesome opportunity to not only congratulate Aaron Carter on becoming like an openly queer person in the ever-growing and ever-changing LGBTQIA landscape, but to talk about bisexuality and its specific place in the acronym and how a lot of people don't necessarily validate bisexuality in the same way that they validate heterosexuality or homosexuality. Right. Biphobia and bi erasure is so real. Particularly, I would say for by men like absolutely I'm not a man so like i don't want to say i like understand that experience but i think for a lot of men it's like a, there's a ton of pressure on men for this like really toxic idea of what masculinity is supposed to look like and a lot of that is like heterosexuality right yeah. but also like if you are a gay man then you you know you're out and you're open about that sure like people there are always people who are like critical of that and like very homophobic but in general like you have a community of like other gay men who like support you and understand you when yeah. you're bisexual i feel like a lot of times people's experiences is that like people in the heterosexual community reject them and people in the homosexual community reject them and it's like where the fuck are you supposed to go for like comfort and like community when like everybody's telling you that you're like either just confused or you're selfish or or you're really gay or like you need to pick a side like all of that is so fucking bullshit and toxic among queer people you have many contingents who believe that by not subscribing to the most public and the most robust, so to speak, of gay culture, you're like not serving the greater good of gay culture. Right. And or queer or like I say gay culture because I don't I I think in this case it's very much like gay people or gay men find themselves in these spaces where they're like, if you're not going to come it's almost like if you're not gonna commit to being gay, then like you don't get to be gay. It's the same fucking commentary from straight people, just from a different angle. And that's that's where you're really getting into the idea that like just because you might on paper belong to a marginalized group doesn't mean that you are devoid of biases and acting on biases and and disrespecting people who similarly belong to groups who are not necessarily within the center of society but rather on the margins oh totally to all of those out there who are bisexual grappling with that like we support you and we love you and i think celebrities taking or like public figures whatever you want to call them having these public announcements about their sexuality 
is, is so unique to every single person. But I think at the end of the day, it just goes to show that queer people are everywhere and they're going to be everywhere forever. And I encourage people to, to lift up those in their life that don't necessarily feel like the world around them lifts them up in the same way. Yeah. Oh my god. Do you watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I have seen a couple episodes and I seriously could not get into it. I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, I thought it was so weird. Oh my god, I was obsessed. Like, I think it's one of the best television shows out there right now, personally. Well, there's a character on it who is a bisexual man and they have this, like, adorable song about it. It's called I'm Getting By. And... Like, it's just a moment where they had this, like, opportunity, right, as a comedy show to, like, make the bisexuality a joke and, like, to make that character a joke. And they didn't. It was just really awesome. Like, they honored him and his identity and his experience as, like, a divorced man with a child who comes out as bisexual, like, in his late 40s, you know? Mm. It was, it's really beautiful. Like, and that, and that show, I think, does a lot of that where, like, they have all of these opportunities to, like play the cheap and easy jokes and they don't because they're smart and they're like funny and compassionate. Jill, I hear tell you are really into Cameron Esposito's new podcast. Oh my god, Cassie. So like, obviously if you listen to the Queer Caucus, you have heard us gush about Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher uh. like, all the time. Like, it's probably like annoying you by this point, but like, fuck <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if you are like just listening for the first time or you like have a bad memory, um, Cameron Esposito is a comic. She's queer. She identifies as a lesbian and And uh, she has a wife. Her name is Rhea. And they are both comedians. And they do a lot of stand-up and a lot of uh, comedy things together. They have their own show called Take My Wife. So there's a show that they do every Tuesday night called Put Your Hands Together. And they co-host it. Um, So if you ever want to watch that and you're not in L.A., they actually do a podcast version of it on Feral Audio. This podcast that Cameron has is brand new. And it's called Query. And it is about being queer and, like, about a lot of things. And so the the first episode features Rhea, her wife, and a lot of conversations about gender and honestly like difficult questions to to answer and be public about it so i'm really excited to listen to it and if you listen to our podcast you'd probably like theirs um you can find that podcast on feral audio so for those of you who don't know we have introduced a new segment to the podcast called assisting others a c i s t i n g as in cisgender where people can submit uh, questions that they have about queer culture to us anonymously and we will answer those questions questions or address those questions rather on air. And so we have one for this week that we have selected and uh, we're just going to read the email that we got from our anonymous uh, submission. Um, First and foremost, thank you for submitting this question. It is not easy to ask questions even if you know it's going to be anonymously addressed. But yeah, so here it goes. One of my co-workers is gay. I want him to feel comfortable talking about his personal life and partner slash boyfriend at work like so many straight people just do and take for granted, but I don't want him to think that I'm pushy or nosy by asking about his life. Please advise. Signed, so-and-so. It's really awesome to know that, like, this person, whoever they are, has coworkers who are supportive of them, um, which Mm -hmm. is not always the case. So that's definitely the first step. Uh, Whoever you are out there, we thank you for being so, like, thoughtful about your inclusivity. But I would also encourage you to think about the kind of workspace that you're in. Every workspace is different. Mm -hmm. And if you think that your workspace, just in general, would be receptive of this person, try to build as much of a culture around inclusivity 
inclusivity as possible. And I don't know if Jill has any other thoughts or ideas about how to build a culture like that or, or any other recommendations, but um, I think that's one of the first things you have to consider is what is your climate or culture already like and what do you think could change or be improved upon in order to make that culture more accessible? My first thought is where are you, like Cassidy? Um, not only like what is your job, but like what kind of community are you in? Are you in the middle of like a red state? Like are you in a very metropolitan urban area? My instinct is to say that this situation may suggest that the coworker is not sure how the other coworker would be accepted in their work environment. One thing I want to note is that it may not be comfortable for that person to be out at work. Yeah. Um, and that's their decision. And it's absolutely, absolutely, you have great intentions in hoping that they feel comfortable. But if they don't, ultimately, that's up to them. And of course, like as an ally, you do have a responsibility for speaking up for that person when they're not in the room. So I think that's the biggest thing that you can do is start noticing like are other people speaking about this person when they're not around. And if so, like, what are they saying? And are, are there instances where you can step in and be like, hey, like, that's not appropriate? Whoever this is that you're hoping to make them feel more welcome, I would leave as much of the decision making to them as possible. I think it's important to allow the person that you want to be included to let them share what they want to share and not necessarily take advantage of the opportunities where they share moments about their personal life to just like probe more about their personal life, but rather just continue to show interest in their personal life. But also like if you're, if you're thinking about this more in a reactive way, like if you've seen some sort of microaggressions unfolding in the workplace or, or something a little bit more negative, sinister, malicious, like I definitely think that you need to consider like, what are the resources that you have to protect this person if that if that's if that's where you're coming from more specifically mm-hmm. so if you have a human resources department that has non-discrimination policies seek those out and know the rules and know your laws and know your rights or know this know this person's rights specifically yeah. if you really just want this person to tell you about their personal life maybe the issue is not so much about like the person but it is about you yeah. i would encourage people to remember that like the workplace is a very finicky environment where you spend like long periods of time with people but there is not necessarily an expectation for you to like you know bear your heart to each other right i do think it's important to make sure that your environment is one where you can develop a social relationship with someone but yeah don't be offended if someone doesn't necessarily reveal information about their life that other people do right. because not ever but because normalcy is not defined by groups of people it's defined by individuals yeah i mean different people have different comfort levels they don't want to share very much at work about their personal life and other people do Um, I think the important thing is that everybody has the opportunity to do so if they so choose. I think there are ways that you can make that comfortable for that person without, like, making them the token of, like, oh my god, like, nobody wants to be, like, approached at work and be like, hey, just so you know, like, we love you and, like, welcome you here and, like, being gay is, like, totally cool with us. Like, oh my god, it's so uncomfortable. Like, it's weird. Like, don't make it weird. Maybe your company is having, like, a, a social event, a picnic, and there's, like, a plus one situation or like spouses and families are welcome. If you can, like encourage people to use language that's inclusive, like bring your partners or spouses or um, significant others, like versus like bring your girlfriends and boyfriends, everybody, like make the environment um, more inclusive with language. Like it's very simple to do that. We hope that that helped. And thank you for submitting your question to assisting others. Yes, shout out to you, Anonymous Asker. We really appreciate your honesty and bravery to ask a question. 
and to seek more knowledge so you can be a better ally. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And just so you all know, you can always email us questions at thequeercaucus at gmail.com. But if you're ever interested in submitting questions to assisting others that is generally more anonymous, we are working on a process right now where you would be able to submit things that not even Jill and I would know the name of. Because we're here for you in your anonymity. All right, Jill. Nice episode. Yeah, great job, Cassidy. Here we are. Oh my God, great job, Jill. We're uh, killing it. I would just like to mention the fact that I am in a closet right now. I am not in the closet, but in, in the, the closet, closet, recording a queer podcast. So eating a frozen mango, nonetheless. Yeah, like, oh my god, a fruit eating a fruit in a closet. Oh my god, I love it so much. You know where to find us. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Queer Caucus. You can like us on Facebook, the Queer Caucus. You can email us, thequeercaucus at gmail.com, and always check out our website, www.thequeercaucus.com. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Queer Caucus. Three queers. Too many opinions. One one podcast. podcast. My name is Cassidy Flynn. And I'm Jill Kamler. And this podcast is produced by Jan O'Leary with music by San Furman. Bye. See you in the queer sphere. See you in the queer sphere, Jill. Ah! (laughs)